everybody, welcome to Outfield Ivy. I'm Rafa. Hey, I'm Drew. And today we'll be bringing you a baseball history episode. Now, normally on this podcast, what we'll be doing is kind of breaking down uh, baseball news throughout the week, kind of giving you our take on weekly events. Um, along with myself and me, we would be with our other host, AJ. Unfortunately, he can't be here today. So we'll be talking about... We're going to be talking about um, baseball history. And today's topic is the oldest professional team in baseball. I'm not a huge uh, baseball history buff, but I'm very intrigued to find out today. Yeah, and I'm crazy about history. I love baseball. Um, Personally, I'm a really big Cubs fan, so I know a decent amount of Cubs history. Not as much as AJ, but um, definitely doing this report... uh, this was really fun to do. It was really interesting to learn kind of all this stuff about this specific team. And Drew, I want to ask you before we do this episode, do you have any guesses as to which team is the oldest professional team in baseball? I was going to say Red Sox, but I'm not sure if that's correct. We're going to find out. Right. So Drew uh, just knows a little bit about the topic. I kind of sent him a rough draft about it, but I kind of kept um, just which team it is kind of it's in the beginning but we'll get to it when we get to it uh, i hope you guys enjoy the episode i really did uh, enjoy writing the report um so i'm just gonna go ahead and kick it off the cincinnati red stockings became the first all pro team in 1869 with 10 paid players on their roster one season later however the team voted to disband after 1870 Brothers Harry and George Wright, along with two other Cincinnati players, traveled to Boston to form the Boston Red Stockings under Ivers Whitney Adams. The new Red Stockings and six other ball clubs became the founding members of the National Association of Professional Baseball Players. Jeez, talk about a mouthful. <laughs> um, that happened in 1871. Five years later, unfortunately, in 1876, the National Association came to an end and its clubs went on to form the National League of Professional Baseball Clubs. Uh, today, we, we simply call that league the National League. So the National League has been around since 1876. Wow, yeah. And apparently um, the Cincinnati Red Stockings were the first all-pro team, right? So right. that sounds so similar to the Red Sox. Correct. That's very, very correct. And, I mean, if you kind of think about it, in today's game, we have the Cincinnati Reds. There is the Boston Red Sox. Um, You know, this was the Cincinnati Red Stockings. They moved to Boston, Boston Red Stockings. But, you know, as as we go on with these episodes, especially when we do team ones, you'll see that uh, name changes and city changes happen quite a lot. And in a team as old as this one, uh, it definitely happens quite a bit. So if you want to kick it off with the next part. Sure. Uh, the Boston Red Stockings began being called the Red Caps due to a new Cincinnati Red Stockings team being founded, um, being a founding club of the NL. This is, of course, because people couldn't think of anything better in 1876. Yeah, I just figured people can't really, I mean... What, they just kept saying, oh, yeah, these guys wear red socks or red stockings. So, yeah, we'll just call them that. <laughs> we just keep calling them red stockings. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, 
The Redcaps then got a new nickname in 1883, because why not, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we're now called the Boston Bean Eaters. So I'm just guessing that, I mean, I know Boston's called Bean Town. I didn't really look into it that much, but I'd imagine that's it's a, it's a big part of Boston's history. Yeah? Yeah. But do you well, know apparently. Oh, okay, uh, That's okay. what I'm saying, apparently. Uh, I was going to say, if you know, yeah, let me know. <laughs> yeah. After the founding of the American League Boston Americans in 1901, many bean eaters left for better contracts with new teams. The owner of the Alabama... Uh, the A.L. The, oh, my bad. <laughs> Not Alabama. A.L. Boston Club would eventually claim the nickname of Red Sox for his team. So there you go, Drew. So it is Red Sox. No, the Boston no. Red Sox are the American League Boston team. The huh. Boston Bean Eaters, formerly the Red Stockings, are the National League Club of Boston. Huh. So the, they are not the same baseball team. So they still have a couple name changes until yes. we get to the modern name equivalent. Yes. So the Boston Red Sox have been around since 1901. Hmm. Uh, well, I should say, uh, yeah, the Boston, the Boston Red Sox have been around since 1901 uh, as the American League team. So, <laughs> yeah, keep going. Good guess though. I like yeah. I made it was it was a smart guess. Um where was I? The owner of the I'll just re- reread that one part. Um the yeah. owner of the AL Boston Club would eventually claim the nickname of Red Sox for his team. And the Boston Bean Eaters would be known as the Boston Braves in 1912. The same nickname the team uses today. Yep. The Atlanta Braves are the oldest team in baseball. Yep, the Atlanta Braves are the oldest professional team in baseball. Went from they went from yep the bean eaters to they they went from red stockings to red caps to bean eaters to the Boston Braves. Uh, Today they're known as the Atlanta Braves, of course. Um, So in 1914, the Braves put together a miracle season, coming back from a 26 and 40 record and a 15 game deficit to the defending champion New York Giants. Jeez. Yep, so they came yeah. back from 15, you know, 15 games back. And uh, in their last couple games of the season, they went 41-12 and 12 from July 6th to September 5th. Uh, during that stretch, the Braves caught up and would go on to defeat the Giants in a three-game series. So, so they would take two out of those three games. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, uh, this series would then give, the, uh, give Boston the lead that they would carry on through September, ultimately winning the National League pennant. The miracle season ended with the underdog Braves sweeping the American League Philadelphia A's in the 1914 World Series, giving this franchise its very first title. Now, the, the World Series as we know it today, where uh, it's an Ameri- the winners of the American League and the winners of the National League, um, that started all the way in 1903. So this would be uh, the what? Three? Uh, can you do math? I can't do math. Eleven? Uh, 11? Well, I have no idea. Well, when did it start? When did it end? Uh, it it started in uh in 1903. 1903, and then is 1914. Yeah, it's gotta be 11. Uh, yeah. I think it's 12 because we would count 13 as a season. Uh, or, okay. or three as a season. Okay. Oh, oh my. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh. They would sweep the American League Philadelphia A's in the 1914 World Series, giving them their first title. 
That's pretty good. Um, the team would struggle to find success from 1917 to 1932. After finally being competitive in the in 33 and 34 seasons, owner Emil Fuchs, <laughs> F-U-C-H-S. Uh, Fuchs, I believe. Fuchs. Uh, that's, that's how I read it. I mean, yeah, I kind of thought it was the <laughs> other word, too. <laughs> we might just have to bleep that one out, keep this uh, family-friendly, you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Um, struck a deal with the New York Yankees to acquire Babe Ruth in 1935. So, I mean, surely you know who Babe Ruth is, Of course. Is, right? I, I'm yeah. pretty sure everyone knows, <laughs> even if they've never seen a game of baseball in their life. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, they got one of the GOATs to come, cause come through and, uh, and play in, in Boston for the Braves. Ruth was made VP of the club and assistant manager. At this point in his career, however, Ruth was still an accomplished hitter, but the rest of the game had faded. Ruth would, re- would retire on June 1st of the same season after disputes with, how do you say it again? Oh, Fuchs and the Fuchs. rest of the team. Uh, okay. I guess, yeah, funny that it rhymed. Uh, after Fuchs' departure, the Braves became known as the Bees from 1936 to 1940. Eventually, they would return to the Braves' name in 1941 under new owner Lou Perini. In 1948, they won the pennant again behind the pitching of Warren Spann and Johnny Sane. The Braves would go on to lose the World Series four games to two against the Indians. That was a battle of the tribes, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, On March 13th, 1953... Perini announced that the Braves would be moving the location of their top farm club, the Milwaukee Brewers. Oh yeah, they yeah they would be moving to the uh, to Milwaukee. My bad, I, that was a typo. Okay. So yeah, uh, so the Milwaukee Brewers, as we know them today as the top ball club, uh, were actually uh, the top prospect team for the Boston Braves. So that was pretty interesting. I didn't know that before I started writing this report. You're learning a lot through this report, right? Yeah, so hopefully, you know, so are our listeners. Yeah. Um, The Milwaukee Braves set records for attendance in their first season. This success would later inspire teams like the Philly A's, Brooklyn Dodgers, and the New York Giants to leave their hometown. Yeah, so it's pretty crazy. I mean, um, they set the record for most fans in the first season there. And Philly A's would, I mean, go on to end up in Oakland, uh, Brooklyn Dodgers, you know, L.A., and the New York Giants are in, you know, San Francisco right now. And it's crazy. You know, they all just went to California. Go play out west. Yep. Uh, so the move to Milwaukee saw the Braves become a more competitive team uh, led by the bats of Hank Aaron and Eddie Matthews. Together, they would hit uh, 1,226 home runs as Braves. Warren Spann was definitely still a key in the pitching rotation, along with Lou Burdett and Bob Bull. And in 1957, the Milwaukee Braves won the National League pennant on the back of Hank Aaron's MVP season. Aaron led the National League in both RBIs and home runs, the most important coming as a two-run walk-off to clinch the National League title. How crazy is that? In order to win the division, or in order to win the the National League championship pennant, just hits a two-run home run. Jeez. Uh, the team would go on to defeat the New York Yankees in seven games behind the pitching of former Yankee Lou Burdette. Burdette hurled three complete games, only giving up two earned runs. And if that's not impressive enough, 
This Yankee team's included legends like Yogi Berra and Mickey Mantle. Uh, the Braves would repeat as National League champs the next season, but lose the World Series to the same Yankees uh, after blowing a 3-1 lead. So, I mean, uh, they ended up, you know, winning that one, uh, but unfortunately losing the next year. The early 1960s saw a decline in performance from the ball club. Despite astonishing outings from Aaron, Span, and Burdett, the rest of the team was not performing. At the end of the 62 season, 62nd season, the Braves finished in the lower half of the league and for the first time since moving to Milwaukee. Uh, you're right, 62, 1962. Yeah, in the, at the end of the 1962 season, the Braves finished in the lower half. Oh, I thought, you, I thought it was like the 62nd season. Nah, again, typos. Sorry, guys, I'm a, I'm a messy typer. <laughs> I mean, we're just, uh, hey, we're going through it. Uh, Perini sold the Braves in 1962. New ownership quickly began looking to move the team to a larger market. The city of Atlanta had just constructed a new 52,000-seat ballpark to attract a team to the city. The Atlanta Braves would play their first game in Atlanta Stadium in 1966. Jumping ahead 10 years, the team would be purchased by Ted Turner. Turner gained a reputation as a hands-on owner, going as far as to name himself manager of the team. He only managed one game, uh, a loss to Pittsburgh, um, and stepped down as manager because of uh, rules prohibiting managers from having uh, financial stakes in a team. Uh, and using his network, WTBS, the Turner, uh, <laughs> Turner made the Braves the first nationally televised team. The network would market the Braves as America's team, uh, a nickname they would still use today, too. Uh, so, yeah, like this kind of gave them like national coverage, and they were like a really big team for the, South, uh, for the southeastern United States. I have a question for you, Rafa. Um, yeah, what's up? What year was baseball the biggest it's ever been? I'm not talking about like modern uh, years. I'm talking about like back then. Like when would it have been, you know, seen in every single household? Man, that's that's a good question. Well, I guess it like would be, around like 1950s. I, I guess 1900s. it would be 1966 because turner broadcasting made the braves the first nationally televised team like this yeah. would be the first team to be seen like to be able to be seen throughout the country now as to whether you mean like whether you'd be able to watch your own team on tv like right. in every city yeah that i don't know that's a really that has good to come pretty to soon afterward uh like at possibly. least 10 years after we'll maybe find out before. maybe it's in the report <laughs> maybe even be yeah maybe <laughs> um yeah i mean hey you want to pull up wikipedia and check that out real quick yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we could just, you know. We, we uh, can get to that later. Um, let's see. We'll, we'll include it on our next report. How about that? All right, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. After uh, so, yeah, after... Uh, oh. Okay. Um, after three losing seasons, the Braves hired Bob Cox as their manager in 1978. Cox brought up Dale Murphy, who would hit 77 home runs over three seasons. After four seasons, the club Cox oh. was replaced by Joe Torre. Yep. Wait, what What did you mean to type in there? No, after four seasons with the club. With the club. My yeah. bad, I think I misspoke. Um, the team would win their first division divisional title in 12 years with stellar performances from Bob Horner, Chris Chambliss, uh-huh. Dale Murphy, and Nick, uh, Phil... Nick Rowe. Oh. Uh, 
Murphy through the 80s, despite incredible play from... Wait, no, Murphy would win the MVP and the Gold Glove Award. This success, however, would not carry on through the 80s. Despite incredible play from Murphy, the Braves would only average 65 wins per season from 1985-99. Sorry about that misread. Nah, it's all right, but yeah, man, that's that's pretty nuts. They would only average about 65 wins for for the like the late 80s. The end the end of the 80s pretty much. It was a pretty rough stretch for the It was a pretty much stretch for the Atlanta Braves. But um especially since Murphy was doing so well in the seasons. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy, but I mean, one guy a team does not make and we see that today, you know, especially with uh with guys like Trout Guys like Harper, I mean, not throwing any shade to those ball clubs. Amazing organizations, the, you know, the Nationals and the Angels are doing what they're doing. But, uh, I mean, one guy does not a ball club make. And it's it's crazy to see guys have phenomenal numbers and have it not, not, uh, not amount to a whole lot. Right. Um, but, yeah, so Cox would return as manager halfway through the 90s season. Uh, the team would finish the year with a 65 and 97 record, but things would definitely quickly turn around for the ball club. Uh, pitching coach Leo Mazzone began developing the arms of Tom Glavine, Steve Avery, and John Smoltz. They would also use the first overall pick in the 1990 draft to select Chipper Jones. Now, Chipper Jones would go on to have like just a phenomenal career with this team, and I mean he's a life for sure. Uh, he even got his number retired by the ball club. Uh, I mean, we're definitely gonna look up a list of retired numbers after this. I think sure. it's definitely something like something cool that we uh, just to shoot off at the end. But, um, um, yeah, we're getting pretty close to uh, modern day now, so yeah, we're we're coming right up on it. Yep. Um, the following season in '91, the Braves overcame their 39 to 40 start to win 55 of their last 83 games, sending them to the NLCS. They would ultimately lose that World Series to the Minnesota Twins. The first-to-worst Braves captivated the city and accomplished something that no team had ever done before, following up a last-place season with a World Series berth. They would return to the World Series the following season, but again lose to the 92 Toronto Blue Jays. In 1993, the Braves acquired Cy Young winning pitcher Greg Maddox from the Chicago Cubs. Ah. Yeah, that was, that was definitely a big loss. I mean... A disclosure here is uh, we are in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, losing Maddox, definitely... I mean, I was born in 93, but... I mean, that, that man went on to have an amazing career, and he was lights out. And you could... I mean, you could definitely say that um, just the pitching coach from Leo was just amazing, you know? This move cemented the Braves' rotation as the best in baseball. Definitely. They would reach the NLCS, but ultimately fall short to the Philadelphia Phillies. In 94, the division borders would be redrawn, placing the Braves in the NL East and fueling a rivalry with the New York Mets. Yep. Uh, So following a player strike in 1994 that would actually shorten that season... The Braves would win the 1995 World Series against the Cleveland Indians, so another battle of the tribe, or probably the most controversial teams in Major League Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the Braves would appear in 96 and the 99 World Series, uh, both time losing to Joe Torre's Yankees. Now, I mean, if for those of you that weren't paying too close attention, Joe Torre was the, you know, the Cleveland Indians, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the Atlanta Braves manager uh, between uh, Bobby Cox's uh, tenure with the club. Um, they held a series of division titles from 91 to 2005, and uh, only in the strike-shortened season in 94 did they fail to win. So that means, you know, 91, 2, 3, uh, won their division, and then from 95 all the way to uh, 2005. Uh, under Cox and Sherholtz, the team found amazing success. The 2005 Braves were the first team to reach the postseason with more than four rookies with m- more than 100 at-bats each. The baby Braves became a sensation. The Braves would go on to lose the NLDS to the Astros. The deciding fourth game went 18 innings. Yeah. After 2005, the Braves lost longtime pitching coach Leo Mazzone. Man, 18 innings. That's a whole two games. That's a straight marathon, man. Um, yeah, and yeah, I mean, after after losing Leo, I, the the pitching staff definitely took a hit. Um, but the beginning of the 2006 season definitely saw a decline in performance from the ball club uh, due to their pitching rotation injuries and just the overall lack of offensive production. Um, however, the Braves came hot out of the All Star break. Uh, they would go ahead and win five straight games, scoring a total of 65 runs over those five games. Um, and Chipper Jones would also maintain a 20-game hit streak, and he tied a major league record with a 14-game extra base hit streak. Uh, but despite this late surge, the Braves would fail to reach the postseason for the first time since 1990. So f- from 91 all the way to 2005, they reached the postseason. That's a straight uh, 14 seasons? Yeah, that's about right. 91. Yeah, count them out loud. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. It's already gone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Man, people are probably just yelling at their phones, just thinking, why can't these guys do math? <laughs> <laughs> you can record a podcast, but you can't do math. Uh, right. Sorry. The Braves would fail to reach the postseason until the 2010 season. During the season, they made deals for players like Alex Gonza- Gonzalez, Kyle Farnsworth, and Derek Lee. They would, they would win the NL wild card, but lose to the Giants in the NLDS. The game four, uh, sorry, the game four loss would also mark the end of Bobby Cox's twenty-five year run as manager. Twenty-five years, man, that's a career. Yeah, that's insane, and I mean, definitely Derek Lee was one of my favorite Cubs growing up. Uh, definitely, just you know, D. Lee for MVP was my one of my favorite chants growing up. And, um, I mean, we're just going to kind of wrap it up here with the end of the 2010 season. After that, um, you know, they did reach the postseason again in 13, I believe. Um, You know, Chipper Jones retired. um, And right now they're just going through a rebuilding process. They're definitely seeing a big resurgence down there in Atlanta. They got a lot of young talent and a lot of strong guys coming up. And, um... I mean, we're just going to rattle off a couple fun facts about the team overall. So the Boston Red Stockings, in the five years of the National Association of Professional Baseball Players, 
they won four out of those five uh, championships. So, I mean, they pretty much won, what is that, 80%? 80%, yep. That's 80% of the championship. <laughs> um, the Red Caps won the first ever NL game on April 22nd, 1876, defeating the Philadelphia Athletics 6-5. to yeah, so that's crazy. The very first National League game was played between the Boston Red Caps and the Philadelphia A's. And, I mean, they kind of set the tone for their, uh, for their ball club winning uh, off the bat. Uh, the Bean Eaters set a club record of 102 wins to 47 losses in 1898, which would stand for nearly 50 years. Owner, Jim's, um, um, sorry. Owner James Gaffney was a member of Tammany Hall which used a Native American chief as its logo, prompting the choice for the name Braves. Yep. Uh, the sweeping of the A's in the 1914 World Series was the first unqualified sweep in a World Series. So that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. Like I said, uh, you know, and since its inception, the World Series started in 1903, uh, for it to be that early for like a first sweep. Now, just a quick uh, fact. I know this episode's about the Braves, so... Gonna, I'm going to throw this in real quick. In the 1907 World Series, the Cubs actually defeated uh, the Detroit Tigers in a sweep, but it was a five-game sweep. Mm. One of the games ended in a tie, so it was a no decision. Mm. So it was, it was a five-game sweep. This was the very first four-game sweep in That's a World Series. That's pretty close. So yeah. this is, I mean, this was still very impressive, and I mean, kudos to that ball club. They played the 1914 WS at Fenway. WS means World Series, of course, because their normal home was too small. Yep. Mm, too so, many people showed up. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, just way too big of an event, right? Yeah. So because of that, in 1915, they opened up Braves Field, the largest ballpark of its time. And this was the first park to have public transportation that took fans right to the field. So, I mean, before this, there weren't, like, you know, any kind of public trans lines that took you straight to the ballpark. You had to kind of figure out your own way to get there. In 1915, oh, my bad. You you just read that. Uh, Sam Jethro, how do you say that? Yeah. Sam Jethro became the first African-American player on the club in 1950. Yep, and to this day, the Milwaukee Braves are the only team to play more than one season and never have a losing record. They always finish either at 500 or above. Hmm, that's decent. (laughs) Only player Eddie Matthews recorded appearances for the Braves in all three franchisee cities. That's crazy. He's probably been with the team for quite a long time. Yeah, so he was actually with the team um, the very last year they were in Boston, the entire time they were in Milwaukee, and the very first year they were in Atlanta. And, so then, he, and then he retired? Uh, or I think he got he, traded or I think he got traded. I didn't okay. really follow up that far into it. I just thought that one fact was pretty pretty interesting about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they actually stopped using the Native American-themed mascot, Chief Nakahoma. And, dude, are you kidding me? I don't know who came up with this thing. In 1986... <laughs> Have you seen this? Have you seen this mascot? No, I just want to ask not. you. All right, I'm gonna just I'm I'm gonna search this up real quick. Yeah. Uh. And and no no no. Uh. Yeah yeah. yeah. Just go to images oh, on this. Just go to yeah, look at that dude. Look at how ugly that is. It's it's just yeah, a, it's, it's just a laughing Native American with a mohawk with uh just 
The mascot, like, isn't that even that appealing, really. Oh, it's terrifying. It's just a guy with a very it's giant like a head. head, dude. It's just a guy with a giant head. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some people find it endearing. Maybe some people find it offensive. Me, personally, my personal views, uh, this is just, it's, it's cringeworthy for it's sure. It's bad take. It's, it's definitely cringeworthy. And, I mean, I don't want to get started on this issue. Um, you know, just, man, just, that's, that's a rough thing to see. <laughs> yeah. Um, With winning the 95 World Series, the Braves became the first team to win in three different cities. Yep, so they won as the Boston Braves, the Milwaukee Braves, and the Atlanta Braves. Hmm. Now, to show just how dominant this pitching rotation was throughout the 90s, the, uh, the Atlanta Braves were awarded with six Cy Youngs. Tom Glavine won in 91-98, Greg Maddox won 93-94-95, <laughs> and John Smoltz won in 96. Now, if you want to take it into account Greg Maddox's 92 Cy Young Award, uh, Cy Young Award winning season with the Chicago Cubs, that would give them seven Cy Youngs over the in the 90s. And in order, that's Glavine, 91, Maddox, 92, 3, 4, 5, John Smoltz in 96, um, they missed it in 97, and then Tom Glavine one more time in 98. So these yeah. guys were just dominant pitchers throughout the entire decade. They, the Braves also hold the record for most consecutive division titles from, with 14 from 1991 to 2005. I think we touched on this a little bit before. Right. So I think that actually, so I remember in 94, that was a shortened season because of the player strike. So I think right. this record actually stands for most consecutive division titles in a regular season. So in like a regular length season. So okay. I believe that's it. So, currently, the Atlanta Braves uh, just moved into a new just moved into a new home at SunTrust Park um, in 2017. Um, and <laughs> give me one second. I'm just going to be looking. We're going to see if we can find a list of their uh, their retired uh, their retired jerseys. So I know for sure that uh, Chipper Jones, Greg Maddox, uh, here we go. So Dale Murphy, number three, Chipper Jones, number 10, Warren Spann, number 21, John Smoltz, number 29, Greg Bobby, Ma Bobby oh. Cox at number six. Go ahead. Oh. You, you just skipped one, so I just wanted to fill in the gap real quick. Oh, sorry. Uh, you can go ahead. Uh, so 31, Greg Maddox. Um. 35, Phil Necro. 41, Eddie Matthews. 44, Hank Aaron. And finally, 47, Tom Glavine. So, I mean, they, this team, this is definitely a storied franchise, and they've definitely had a lot of amazing players and a lot of amazing teams come through. What does it mean by number of bandits? Uh, are, are you familiar with that? I don't know, actually. Uh, I'm not sure. It might have something to do with the Baseball Hall of Fame. Find out. Um, yeah, a comprehensive list of retired number of baseball bandits. There you go. Yeah, that's that was like an unfamiliar term that you were just looking at. So, is a, a player okay, who a retired, retired number before a, it was a retired number bandit is a player who wore a retired number before it was retired. 
but after it was worn by the person for whom it was retired. Okay. So do you get what that means? No, could you uh, reiterate? All right. So pretty much, let's say, let's run back to that. So how, uh, who has one on this Eddie team? Eddie Matthews. The only one is Eddie Matthews. So after Eddie Matthews stopped playing, someone else used the number 41, but then they retired his number so no one else could wear it after Eddie Matthews. So they didn't retire it for the guy that used it after him. They retired it for him. You know what I'm saying? I hope, I hope you guys understand that too. So Eddie Matthews Eddie 41. Matthews got it. Eddie Matthews is 41. Okay. He leaves the team. Okay. New player comes in as number 41. He leaves the team. They retire the number for Eddie Matthews. Not for the second guy. Not for the second guy. Okay. So the second guy, he doesn't count. They're like, no one's going to wear the number 41, but it's not because of him. It's only because of Eddie Matthews. That's actually very interesting. I didn't even think about that. I just kind of figured that, huh, yeah, no, that's, I never really thought about that. That's, I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah, um, it seems like something that's very prestigious in a baseball team. I mean, any any kind of sport, really, to have your number retired is pretty crazy. Yeah. Just to think that no one else would have that jersey, and that's gonna, that, that jersey's going to have your last name on it forever. Yeah, especially if you steal it from someone else that was on the team as well, pretty much. Oh, yeah. Not so. <laughs> but, yeah, man, I mean, what'd you, what'd you think of all that? I think the Braves are a pretty um, cool team. It's, it's kind of cool um, knowing the background about these teams, especially the first team professional team in baseball. Yeah, so I mean, I was just thinking, what's what's gonna be a really good, you know, topic for the for our first episode or for the first crack at this? And you know, what better place to start than the very first team? So for the next episode, uh, I have a feeling we might be bringing you another team. We might be doing a specific player. Um, I mean, if anyone or wants, maybe to, even a city, maybe even just a city, a baseball city. Um, I mean, if you guys have anything you want to hear, you can definitely email us in. Outfield IV podcast at gmail.com. Yep, definitely drop a line. Um, you know, just just drop um, what topic you might want want covered. Like if it's a team, if it's a city, if it's a player, a manager, who knows, and why. I think that's that's the most important part. Baseball's been a you know a game that's been played in this country for a very long time, and it's definitely got its number of characters that have you know uh, stepped onto that onto that ivy and or onto that grass. And went out and touched that ivy. Yep. Um, I think the most interesting part of this uh, report was, like, the name switches. I didn't know they were so prominent. Um, they happen so much. I think nowadays it's kind of hard for a name to switch. Oh, yeah. Because they're just so just iconic now. Contracts and branding and all that stuff. I mean, name switches are, are kind of tough in this day and age. But, I mean, mm-hmm. look at the, you know, look at, uh, look at the NFL. You know, they got, um... Isn't that, like, for political reasons kind of thing? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Well, um... Yeah, that's all we got on the briefs. So, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys, again. Um, we really hope you enjoyed this. And, uh, if you did, you know, pass it on, tell some people. And, uh, like we said, if you got anything you want to hear, just let us know. And, uh, you know, signing off, I'm Rafa. And I'm Drew. And we'll see you next time. Bye.